Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 139 of the Adam Shine Podcast. The featured guest this week, one of my all-time favorite wide receivers to watch in the National Football League. He's a finalist once again for the NFL Hall of Fame. And if he doesn't make it, honestly, I'm going to go ballistic again. My guy, Tory Holtz. The featured guest, we're going to chop it up about his career, about the Hall of Fame, about the greatest show on turf, uh, St. Louis Rams. We'll get into playing in St. Louis. Tori does an unbelievable job on Sirius XM NFL Radio, so it's the perfect time to have him on, not only to talk about his career, but also everything that's going on in the National Football League. He's still very tapped in with the Rams. Talk to him about Sean McVay coming back. Talk to him about everything going on in the postseason. And to me, this is upcoming the best weekend in sports, best consecutive days in sports. I live for the divisional round of the NFL postseason. It never disappoints. And this weekend is going to be tremendous. Wild card weekend was excellent. It actually was better, I thought, in terms of the competition than I ever imagined. Look, I love the NFL. The regular season was awesome. I've always argued January is elites when it comes to sports podcasting, sports radio, sports TV, sports content. You have week 17, week 18 in the NFL. Then you have the NFL playoffs, the wild card round, the divisional round, which is my favorite consecutive days, favorite weekend in all the sports. Championship Sunday, which oftentimes is better than the Super Bowl. So I love, love January for the NFL, for content, hirings, firings, Black Monday, the Senior Bowl. People get fired up about the draft in the upcoming year. Not to mention everything else that happens in sports. You sprinkle in, you know, a Carlos Correa signing. You sprinkle in, you know, the NBA heating up, college basketball, conference play. But I will always and forever argue that is the best sports weekend, best consecutive days. I say it all the time, the divisional round of the postseason in the NFL. Bob, where do you stand on the best sports weekend, best sports consecutive days, which really are two different topics if you consider NCAA tournament. Those yeah. first two days are unbelievable. You know, you get, obviously, you get that weekend where you have the Saturday and Sunday at Augusta, which is tremendous, and that always coincides with baseball, which is great, and, you know, you always have the weekend with the Final Four. So where would you rank this weekend in best weekend, best consecutive days in sports? 
Yeah, so you just you just kind of stole my thunder there when you were talking about the NCAA tournament because that's still my favorite weekend. I mean, look, the divisional round of the playoffs is unbelievable. You know, sometimes Championship Sunday is better than the divisional round. I mean, you and I have had this argument on the air before. I actually look forward to Championship Sunday more than the divisional round. Now, granted, this year I might look like a fool because we're getting Cincinnati-Buffalo, which is, I think, still maybe the might be the best matchup of the entire postseason. And, of course, Dallas-San Francisco is unbelievable. So, you know what? These might be the two best matchups we get throughout the entire playoffs. I might look like an idiot, but I love those first two days and even the first four days of March Madness. There's just nothing like the buzzer beaters, basketball all day, sitting around from 12 Eastern all the way to midnight watching college basketball, Adam. And then you do it again the next day. I mean, how can you beat it? And then you do it the day after that. I mean, to me, March Madness is just unparalleled. To me, so that's in terms of like the fun factor. I think it's March Madness one divisional round, and then I'll say Championship Sunday, and those are the top three for me. Yeah, Championship Sunday is a day in isolation. I I agree with you there. Look, Thursday, Friday, the NCAA tournament are the best. You know, sometimes on a Saturday, Sunday, you don't get the same juice depending upon who wins on a Thursday, Friday. When you do get the same juice, it's obviously off the charts i live for college basketball but it's not what it was it's not the nfl i i don't you know obviously i don't put it ahead of the nfl i don't put it ahead of major league baseball you know the the nba it depends on the year i live for the nba love the nba but football to me will always take the cake in terms of that pecking order and bob the matchups this year for the division round after a great wild card weekend and by the way I was concerned last week with Wild Card Weekend that we were going to see lopsided games. I was very concerned that, you know, I picked Buffalo to cover the spread. I picked Cincinnati to cover the spread. You know, obviously those games were ultra competitive down to the final moments. Yeah, Giants-Vikings was an unbelievable sporting event. Uh, obviously the Chargers collapsing, bagged Brandon Staley. Jacksonville's comeback, that was incredible. Heck, I was so into the Niners and the Seahawks. Forget the final score. That was a great game for, for three quarters, and I love watching the Niners. Worst game of all turned out to be Cowboys bludgeoning, as we said would happen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, Bob, these games coming up for the divisional round, I think it's going to help prove my points. I think the Jags are going to hang with Kansas City. I can't wait to watch Mahomes and, and Trevor Lawrence. I think Eagles-Giants is going to be so much fun. I think Philly is going to win. I think the Giants are absolutely going to be able to hang. And I think that both games on Sunday will end up proving to be championship games. I And I've said this, and you know this, the audience knows this, that Buffalo is the best team in the NFL, Cincinnati's number two. And I've been screaming since the Niners beat the Rams on that Monday night game early in the season and then really stamped it when they traded for McCaffrey. You know, and the audience knows I believed in Brock Purdy. I think the winner of Niners-Cowboys is going to end up winning the NFC. And you know I'm picking the Bills. You know I'm picking the Niners. I, I love the way that Dak played. I love the way that Mike McCarthy coached. That was a needed perfect game. I, I think that all the favorites are going to win. I I'm rooting for Jacksonville. I think that would be amazing. But I think the Super Bowl will be Buffalo and San Francisco. And I think that the championship games, Bob, will prove to be Bills, Bengals. If I'm wrong on the winner, 
Bengals are going to beat the Kansas City and Jacksonville winner. And I think the Niners are going to the Super Bowl with my guy Brock Purdy and the incredible coaching and elite talent around him. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to take Dallas over the Philly Giants winner. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a lot of great points here, Adam. And listen, you had a right to be concerned going into Wild Card Weekend because we had the expansion last year. And Wild Card Weekend last year was a dud. I mean, they called it Super Wild Card Weekend. It was super terrible last year. I took a it nap was awesome. during Tampa Philly last year. Yeah. It was horrible. Horrible. Could you, I mean, look, but then, of course, like, look at the turnaround with Tampa and Philly this year. Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So it's funny how the NFL works out. But yeah, that Tampa Philly game last year was terrible. It was horrible. But this year, you're right. It was unbelievable. And I think you make a lot of great points here, especially with the matchups coming up on the Divisional Sunday. Now, I disagree with you here, though. And I called it on the podcast last week, Adam. You know, you ranked your top five teams, you and Booger McFarland, which yep. teams could make a run, win the Super Bowl. I said Dallas. I was all over the Cowboys. I did not believe at all what happened with Washington. I felt like the offense held a lot back. They didn't show everything. And look at last night. Dak Prescott looked like a completely different quarterback. You know, he's, he, he's pulling the old Peyton Manning bootleg into the end zone, faking everybody out, even the cameraman. Uh, he was unbelievable. CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz. I like the Cowboys to upset the Niners. I'm calling my wow. shot right now. Yeah, I've been all over Dallas since the beginning of the season, picking them to go to the Super Bowl. I still feel the same way. I feel like top to bottom, they are still the most complete team. I trust Dak more than Brock Purdy. I like the Cowboys' defense to go toe-to-toe with the Niners. We've seen the Niners' defense lay some duds at them. It does happen. I know Dallas, it happened to at Jacksonville. But the Niners, for the best def- for all the talk that they're the best defense, they got absolutely smoked by Kansas City, and Jared Stidham embarrassed them at the end of the season. So the fact is, they can be had, and Dallas's offense is good enough to go toe-to-toe. Now with Buffalo and Cincy, man, I mean, the spread right now, and it's moving all over the place. It's at five. I've seen it as high as six. I've seen it as low as four and a half. I'm surprised man. it's that high, Bob. My mind's blown, the disrespect to the Bengals. I mean, I, I just can't believe it. I mean, Cincinnati had the lead with the game that got canceled. I would be stunned if Buffalo ran away with it. And, I mean, Buffalo and Cincy both played poorly, but I thought Buffalo played worse than the Bengals, especially because Miami is worse than the Ravens. And the Dolphins' defense is not a juggernaut, and the Bills' game, they turned the ball over all game. Man, you can't do that against Cincinnati. It's very opportunistic. I feel like the Bengals are going to be in the game. I will definitely be taking the Bengals with the points. I think Buffalo's going to win, too. So you and I are on the same page. I am just not a believer in Kansas City. I haven't been all year just like you in the sense that the defense is the weakness with KC. I mean, they've got it's it's Chris Jones and friends, right? I mean, Bob at twenty-seven, at. nothing. I was ready to pick the Chargers to beat the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I was going to pick the Chargers to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and it was so funny too, Adam, because I'm sitting there at halftime. Go, I am such a moron for picking Jacksonville. I took <laughs> Jacksonville. I go, how the hell did I take this team over Justin Herbert? I, I go. I couldn't believe what had happened to Trevor Lawrence. I thought he had lost his mind. I thought he was replaced by Zach Wilson. I didn't know what the hell was going on there. I am just not a believer in the Jags either. I mean, they had to pull a rabbit out of the hat five different times to beat the Chargers. I still think the Chiefs are going to win. It's Patrick Mahomes coming off the bye. It's Andy Reid, although Doug Peterson is fantastic. He's done a fantastic job this season. Still love Andy and Pat, but I'm with you. Whoever wins that game is definitely going to go to the Super Bowl. So I, I think it'll be either Cincy or Buffalo, just like you. And I have Dallas going to the Super Bowl. So that is that is where we differ on divisional round. We will get Tory Holt's take on everything going on for the divisional round in the postseason. Plus, we'll talk to Tory about 
Why he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a disgrace that he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Torrey Holtz, stud receiver for so many years with the St. Louis Rams, featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and we'll talk to Torrey next. Hey, this is Mike Babchick from Morning Man of Mad Dog Sports Radio. When you are done listening to Shine, come hear me as I roast them. It's Babchick's Morning After the podcast. We try to make sure our bosses never find out about it. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, one of my all-time favorite wide receivers to watch in the history of the National Football League. And honestly, if he doesn't make it into the Hall of Fame this year, I'm going to go bonkers, which is not a surprise because I went bonkers last year and the year before that and the year before that. But this time, I'm going to tell you why it's going to be different. Tory Holt, the legend from the St. Louis Rams, is the featured guest on the pod. Tory, how are you? Adam, I'm well, man. You know, it's always uh, it's always good to catch up with you, man. It's been a while, but it's always good to catch up with you. And um, look, I'm enjoying Wild Card Weekend. Well, we enjoyed Wild Card Weekend, and the playoffs, man, have been so far have been really good. Looking forward to uh, the final stretch, bro. Well, let's let's actually start there because I tease at the top that we're going to chop it up and talk some ball, and I love talking football with you because you always bring so much great stuff to the table. Divisional round of the playoffs, it's my favorite weekend in sports. You get the one seeds, you get great matchups, you get hot teams from the regular season, from wild card weekend. I look at this Bills-Bengals game, and I look at the 49ers and the Cowboys game, and I think the winners of those games are ultimately going to the Super Bowl. What's your mm-hmm. take? No, I, I look, I, I've, I've said all year long, and I've said even, even as we were getting close to the postseason, the two best teams I thought that were playing high-level football consistently um, in all three phases – with the Cincinnati Bengals, we look at Joe Barrow. I like how tough he is. I like I like how sound and how decisive he is. I like all of the intangibles that he has to play the quarterback position, and I love the confidence. And then he has the playmakers on the perimeter, and they got a defense that's really playing outstanding, probably outside of San Francisco, playing some of the best defensive football that you can play right now. So the Bengals are a team that comes to mind that I've got my eye on, got my eye out on. And then the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Defensively, the San Francisco 49ers are so tough. They're so good. They're depth. Greenlaw and, and Bolsa and those guys. Um, and then the linebackers with 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 uh Fred Warner uh and, and the linebackers' ability to play downhill and they're physical, they can cover, they can play the run game. And then their secondary um is playing solid football, creating turnovers, playing really well in one-on-one matchups. They're outstanding. Their offense. With Brock Parity and what he's doing, um, the maturity in what he's showing, Shine, to me, is what's, what stands out the most. I know his ability to extend plays. He's got really good foot speed. He makes quick decisions. He's efficient, very efficient in the red zone. But the maturity in what, what he's bringing to the game as a rookie really stands out to me. That's, that's, something, that's, that, that's something to pay attention to because to have that level of maturity as a rookie I can only I can only imagine what his career will be like as he continues uh, down the road uh, with the San Francisco 49ers with the tutelage and the coaching that he's getting 
from Kyle Shanahan and that bunch. So those are the two teams to me, Sean, if they handle their business and they can play, continue to play consistent, those are the two teams that I can potentially see in Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. I love that take. And, and I've been saying consistently San Francisco and Buffalo with Cincinnati stacked in between in terms of, you know, other best team in, in the NFL. So we're on the same page. I want to go back to yeah. for a second because Trent Williams after the Miami game when Garoppolo got hurt and, and Trent Williams is not subject to exaggeration or hyperbole. He said, look, on the practice field, this kid is Peyton Manning. And everyone kind of stood up straight a little bit and said, oh, in terms of leadership, you know, and Trent didn't have to say a word. But when he said that, you know, I, th- I, that certainly to me was, was something that I noticed and I heard because I know surrounding him there's elite coaching. And surrounding him there's elite players, Hall of Famer yep. left tackle, you know, tremendous wide receivers, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, the, the pressure, George Kittle, they put on a defense, a phenomenal defense as you mentioned. When you have that kind of player at the quarterback position, Mr. Irrelevant or whatever the resume is, if that quarterback at that position gets it and has that kind of demeanor, take me and the audience through what that does for a huddle, a roster, and the entire organization. It, it, It does wonders for the organization, wonders for the roster. More importantly, the guys inside of that huddle, when he steps into the huddle, when he calls the play, you can sense and feel the command. You can feel the confidence. You can feel that that play that he's calling is going to work. And you have the confidence in him to see things and put the team in the best possible play every single down. So now everybody, receivers are saying, let me run to get open. Matter of fact, let me run faster to get open first so I can get the football so Amazing. he can see me to get me the ball. I mean, that's the type of confidence. That's the sense of urgency that you're seeing with the San Francisco 49ers. And then to have someone like Trent Williams, who's all pro, who's been around this league for a long time, who's dominated guys down after down, year after year, for him to say that just for Brock, the confidence that he that that that, that instills in him goes out the roof. And then for Kyle Shanahan, the play calling. You can when you have that kind of player and when you have that kind of confidence in your football team, you can call anything. You can draw up anything because guys are executing and they're executing at a high level. But the San Francisco 49ers knows that the window was right now to win the championship. They had an opportunity last year. It was knocked off by the Rams. A lot of the same guys have come back on that football team. Same expectations. There was no really no, there was no drop off regardless of who the quarterback was in terms of the expectations, the expectations are to win it. Brock Parity right now gives them a great opportunity to do that because of his field presence, his confidence. He's also humble and he's young enough to know what he doesn't know. I think that's also something that you have to consider. (laughs) It's not like he's a fifth year guy, 10 year guy, and he's got all these expectations and he's got, this endorsement and he's got this person he's got that person he's got this publicist he's got this no no one knows him no one there there is no there is nothing when when you don't when you don't know when you when you don't it's it's sometimes it's good to know what you don't know Where, where what i mean by that is he's just going out and he's just playing the game that he loves there is no one expecting anything from him when he comes off the field there's no trip here there's no endorsement here it's just flat out 
playing football at a very high level. And what I also like too is he he is such a just one of the guys. Um, to me, that also you know can permeate through your football club too because he's not thinking that he's better than someone else just because he's the quarterback. He just wants to be treated as one of the guys. He wants to do his job just like everybody else at the highest level. He wants to hang out with everybody just like everybody hangs out. He doesn't want any special pardons. He just wants to be one of the guys, and his game on the field is showing that. You played on one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offense in the history of the NFL. And I look, receivers want the ball thrown to them. Marshall wants the ball, you know. But but one of the things no that doubt. always struck no no doubt you you, every, you wanted it. Oz wanted it. Ike wanted it. I mean that that's part of the deal. But you guys wanted to win, and you won. Yeah. Do, whether it's the franchise left tackle, whether it's elite coaching, whether it's the storybook quarterback, do you see any kind of similarities here in terms of check the ego? Let's go to work. Let's win ball games. I do, man. And you know, I, you know, and and I was and as I watched the San Francisco 49ers and I watched this story unveil and unfold itself. I'm saying, okay, talent on the perimeter, wide receivers, check. That was the Rams. Yep. Talent at the at the running back position, check. That was that was the championship Rams, 99 Rams team. Premier left tackle in Trent Williams, premier left tackle in Orlando Pace. And then a quarterback in Kurt Warner that no one really knew anything about. There, there were stories about his career as an arena guy. No one knew if he could play on the national football. No one knew if he could play. In the, in the National Football League at the level that, which it takes to win Super Bowls. It's the same thing with Brock Purdy. Purdy, he was mystery relevant. No one gave him a chance to come into the National Football League to start. Heck, even start to win a playoff game as a rookie. So I see a lot of the sim similarities. But the bottom line is they all stick together. There's one goal. And regardless of who gets the attention, whether the defense gets the attention, the special teams get the attention, the coaching or the receivers or the quarterback, Regardless of who gets the attention, it doesn't matter. The single goal is, is to win. I mentioned San Francisco was in this position last year. They they were good a couple years ago. Previous years, they were really good. They see this window, this moment right now, as an opportunity to do something really special. And we said the same thing in St. Louis when we wanted that year. Guys, we got an opportunity to do something really, really special. And I got to believe that those are the same words the same sentiments that they're, that they're saying out in San Francisco. They got an opportunity to do something really, really special if they stay together, if they don't complain about who's getting the attention, everybody do their job, do it at, a, do it at an elite level. And also, too, Sean, what I see, they celebrate each other. Like, they enjoy yeah. seeing each other have success. And that, when you see that on a football team amongst grown men, alpha males, celebrating each other's success, that is a dangerous, dangerous football team that you got to deal with. And I love that you said that because I'm watching it from my perspective, and I'll give you a specific, McCaffrey and Debo. Like, I, I wanted to see if they would celebrate each other. And, you know, early in that yeah. game, a wild card weekend, you've got Debo lined up in the backfield, McCaffrey split out wide. They're both involved, both getting touches. I mean, it is something special when you look at that galaxy of stars and the creativity on offense. And I'm glad you see those similarities because I do too. And, 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 and let me tell you something else too that I'm seeing too, Sean. When you watch the 49ers play 
And regardless of who gets the ball, say it's Brandon Ayuk gets the ball. Yeah. You see the skilled players out on the perimeter turn up and look for the next man to block, to knock down, to give that receiver or that skilled player the opportunity to run after the catch. San Francisco, outside of, I think, Cincinnati, leads. They're like, I think Cincinnati is one. I think San Francisco is two in terms of run after the catch. And a large part, when you see those long runs, like you saw with Debo Samuels the other day against San Francisco, where he just caught, I mean, against Seattle, he caught a, a short pass for maybe, what, 10 yards, 8 yards, whatever it was. And he turned it into a 73-some-yard play, odd-yard play. When you see those long runs, typically what's happening is guys out on the perimeter are being so unselfish, and they're getting blocks to extend those long runs to see their teammate take it to the house and then at the end, you see all of them running down, celebrating each other, celebrating the success of that play. That's scary, Sean. And that's what you're seeing from the San Francisco 49ers. They are playing well with the ball, and a lot of them, all of them are playing well without the ball. I love that. that that's a brilliant observation, and you see it. And I'm glad you see those similarities, as I mentioned, because it's a good segue, Tori, because honestly – I want to talk about you for a little bit because you're a finalist again for one of the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And without question, in my opinion, you should be in. I've had this opinion for a long time. Nothing makes me crazier than people when they say, well, how many Rams do you want to put in? How about all of them? Seriously. (laughs) Because if you you watch them, you, you know that Kurt's a Hall of Famer. You know Marshall's a Hall of Famer. You know Orlando Pace is a Hall of Famer. You know Isaac Bruce is a Hall of Famer. You know Coach Vermeil is a Hall of Famer. And you know that Tory Holtz is a Hall of Famer. So you're one of the 15 finalists again. Ten seasons with the Rams. 869 catches. You had 12,660 yards. 74 touchdowns. Here's my personal favorite. You were on the All-Decade team. From 2000 to 2007. You had 1,000 receiving yards in all eight of those seasons, leading the league in yards in 2000 and 2003. You were one of only eight players in the history of the league. This is one of my favorite stats. Only eight players in the history of the league average more yards per game than Torrey Holt. Only (laughs) eight players, eight of the players in the history of the game. More yards per game at the wide receiver position than Torrey Holt. So, what the hell's going on here? Why, Torrey, is this taking so long? Yeah, I, Shine, I can't put my I can't put my finger on it, man. It's um, and, you know, every year it's a it's a the the process is different every single year. The 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 it seems like the goalpost continues to move every single year, and I can't change what I've done on the field. I mean, that, you just mentioned it, the work is done. I think the work speaks for itself. Uh, when you think about the champ, you know, winning conference championships, playing in Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls, along with the production, consistent con- production for over a decade. To me, that that speaks, or that that sounds like a Hall of Fame player. The, the stat to me that sticks out the most that I love, and I know you have your favorites and others have their favorites, but my favorite one is, and in, in, in all of the decades of football that we've watched and that we've seen and prior to me even playing in the National Football League, and all of the great receivers that have played, Steve Largent, Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, uh, um, 
James Lofton. You, you, you can name them. No receiver in any decade, in all the decades, have caught more balls for more yards than I. I sit atop of that mountaintop. I, me, Tory Holt, have more catches and more yards than any of your favorite receiver that's ever played the game. For a decade, in all of the decades, the, 60s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, no one has caught more passes or more yards than moi. So with that being said, to me, just that particular stat certainly signifies someone that ha should have strong consideration of being into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I hope the voters really, um, really, really look at it and look at the look at look at my career in depth and look at my career beyond also look at my career beyond the greatest show on turf i was still ascending sean i was still playing at a hall of fame level i was still playing at an all decade level so um we'll see man i hope that they get it right at some point uh hopefully it's this year but i certainly appreciate your sentiments uh, your positivity your love the support that you've shown me man uh, over the years uh, and vying for me uh, to have a spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It just bothers me. And and you're right. I mean, even after the arc of the greatest show on, on turf, I mean, you did it with different players and different coaches and different quarterbacks and still put up all those numbers. And you see, here's the beauty of your answer. And I know you're super bright and you're, you know, you, everything, there's a purpose behind it. You started with all the wins. And the conference championships and the Super Bowls. Because that, Tori, that's what you were about. You were about, in addition yep. to all, you were about winning. I mean, in the Tennessee Super Bowl, seven catches, 109 yards, touchdown. You had this unbelievable knack for playing big in the big moments, big game, division games, at home, rivalry games, conference championship games. Do you think that there's some kind of bias that I reference where they don't want to put everyone from one team in? Do you think there's a small market St. Louis bias? Have mm. you have you thought about you know the fact that the Rams are no longer in St. Louis? How, are these things that have crossed your mind? Uh, it, it, it has, Shine, to, to be honest with you, to be totally transparent, yes. Those things have crossed my mind, certainly. I, I think the one, too, where I've heard the most is we can't put so many Rams in at one time. We can't keep put. We keep. We can't keep selecting these guys into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like we had something to do with that. All we did was play a game, play a game that we love, played it at a very high level, consistently dominating year after year after year to our best of abilities. I didn't come into the league saying, "Hey, I want to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame." I came into the league saying, "I want to play. I want to play at a high level. I want to win. I want to leave a mark of winning uh, in this league. I want to win a championship, Super Bowls, et cetera, et cetera." And then whatever else comes off of that, great. So to hear that is, is is certainly bothersome because when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and all the players that they have Absolutely. in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they had a ton. So so, so you know, and, and I never heard that that was the reason why those guys were kept out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Matter of fact, those guys wasn't kept out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They were selected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame because of their dominance and their play on the football field. So. Yes, to be transparent with you, I certainly think of all of those things that you mentioned. They, those scenarios run through my mind. Heck, if I would have been in New York City, yeah. Los Angeles, Chicago, some of these big market cities with the type of numbers that I put up when I played, it would be an automatic. 
it wouldn't even be a question, I don't think, of me being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, you you were a top pick in the draft. You had a decorated collegiate Number career. six overall. I was, yeah. I, was number, I was the sixth pick overall, so I exceeded, far exceeded expectations. As the when sixth you, pick you, in the draft exceeded. Right. When you, when you get drafted six overall, that is a transformational player, generational yep. player, a player that can shift and change your um, trajectory of your organization, a, a player that you are assuming is going to be dominant, Sharon, I outpaced, I outpaced my receiver class group in in in, in ninety nine when I was drafted. I outpaced the rec- my receiver group by three thousand yards. <laughs> three thousand <laughs> yards. I outpaced my receiver group. You get what I'm saying? So that and I only played eleven years in the National Football League. If right. it wouldn't have been for if it wouldn't have been for my knees, I'm I, I would have played. You know, 12, 13, 14 years, I would have been a 15, 16, 17,000 yard type player. Um, but I was on pace in 11 years. I had almost 14,000 yards in 11 years. And I outpaced my receiver class in 1999. I outpaced my receiver class by 3,000 plus yards. What a stat. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I remember, I remember you in college. It, it was, I mean, just majestic. And then you outkicked it as a transformational player with that sixth overall pick. What was it like, Tory, playing in St. Louis? I know everyone always says baseball town, obviously. But you guys did have that joint rocking and rolling, had a legit home field advantage. You guys in St. Louis were rock stars. What was that like playing in St. Louis? Loved it. Loved it. Um, for for for, our, for for your St. Louis listeners that are listening, thank you. Um, the the how they welcomed me into that city. Uh, no one knew me. I was from I was from um, you know played at North Carolina State University, a, a university in the southeast. Um, no one knew a whole lot about Tory Holt, but they welcomed me with open arms. Uh, they they was getting that stadium, show out, be loud, really supported us. On the field, they supported us off the football field. They still do. We still get support uh, off the field from the fans there in St. Louis. I I absolutely enjoyed my time in St. Louis. Some of the some of the more knowledgeable sports fans in all of in in in, in, in all the fans across our nation, they're they're knowledgeable about basketball, baseball, football, hockey. You know, we got the Blues there oh, yeah. now. In, now soccer is in the area. You got the Battle Hawks coming back. Uh, to St. Louis, uh, the XFL football team, very knowledgeable fan base. Love their, love their, love their players. Love their professional athletes. Love their athletes. And not only did they say it, they showed us that love. So I'm so happy that I was able to play alongside of a group of brothers, man, uh, to be able to bring a Super Bowl title to the city of St. Louis, a town, a sports city, sports town, however you want to call it, that really, really enjoys and appreciates athletics glad i was able to be a part of that and i love st louis uh to the to the, to the up to the highest of levels man that's a that's a special place I, I i i went there as a young man and i left there as a grown man and st louis had a lot to do with my development on and off the field and as a young man and now as an adult tori you are the best my friend i i'm really rooting for you it's been a joy to watch you play joy to watch you post-career as as an analyst and doing some unbelievable things 
on the radio, on Sirius XM NFL radio, and you need to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to keep keep pounding the desk and pounding the table for you. And I hope I'm able to celebrate it in a couple of weeks in, in Arizona. Keep up the outstanding work, my friend. Brilliant, brilliant playing career. Love the conversation about what lies ahead in the NFL postseason. And I always appreciate the time. Thank you, Sean. Always, man. I appreciate the support and love that you show me um, year in and year out, man. And anytime I can jump on the show, just uh, I'm just a phone call away, bro. Hopefully I'll see you in Arizona. You definitely will. My guy, the great Tory Holt. It's time for the Shine Wine. I love a good Merlot. I got two for you for the Shine Wine. Brandon Staley, Baggett's Brandon Staley, Baggett's loser. And the Chargers, before we recorded the podcast, they fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. That's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, what are we doing here? Up 27 nothing to Jacksonville. You can't seal the deal. We mentioned earlier in the pod I would have picked the Chargers to beat the Chiefs. You waste Justin Herbert again. Look at Week 18 last year against the Raiders. Didn't play for the tie to make the playoffs where he could have been the Bengals and made a run. Look at Week 18 this year. No reason to play your starters. Locked into the opponent and the seed. And Mike Williams got hurt and you had an injury-plagued roster. And then this year, how about up 27 nothing? They ran the ball, not including kneel downs, eight times. Eight times. The clock is your friends. Listen, it's inevitable that Brandon Staley will get fired. I mean, they were never going to be in. The Chargers never going to be in for Sean Payton because you have to pay him. And the Chargers owners, the Spanos family, ridiculously cheap. I mean, if they had actual fans in L.A., they'd be livid. There are great Chargers fans, though, in San Diego and coast-to-coast listening to the pod, listening to the radio show, listening to the TV show, and I feel terrible for them. We had, you know, grown men and grown women crying on the radio on Monday. I mean, they're angry, they're pissed off, and I... I feel for them because they have a coach who's completely inept and they have an owner who just doesn't care. And They've wasted Justin Herbert and a team that could have made a run. So that's wine number one. And wine number two, how about Lamar Jackson? I, I, I think that when you look at the resolution here for Baltimore, and obviously John Harbaugh and Lamar, they're not on the same page on whether or not he could have played should have played, how injured he was. You know, Harbaugh, and the Ravens are the best when it comes to PR. Harbaugh saying he can't talk about injuries. They always talk about injuries. Lamar takes to Twitter. Lamar takes to Instagram. Lamar doesn't fly with the team to Baltimore, to Cincinnati for the Ravens wildcard game against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, could have been there for Tyler Huntley, who played well. Harbaugh did a terrible job in terms of game management at the end of that game. 17-17, I agree with J.K. Dobbins. I would have pounded the rock with him four times. I'm not doing a Trevor Lawrence kind of leap from the one with a diminutive Tyler Huntley. The whole thing was a mess. But there's only two ways this can play out now in Baltimore for the future. Number one, you sign him to a contract. You agree to terms. This way, you know, can't have a pseudo holdout, not going to play, doesn't have the deal. You know, you sign him to a contract. And Lamar Jackson is a star. So, but it's the last two seasons, he has not been available due to injury for Baltimore. So if, if Lamar wants the Sean Watson money and Baltimore doesn't want to pay it and or they're concerned about injuries, then they have to go with option number two and trade him. 
They can't franchise him and go through this again where, you know, Lamar might not want to play or risk his body because he doesn't have a long-term contract. Ravens organization, obviously not happy with him. Harbaugh's not happy with him. So there are two options. Sign him to a long-term deal or you franchise him and deal him for a couple of first-round picks. And, you know, you can't get a quarterback who will be as good as Lamar. Great player. A former unanimous MVP. When he's on the field, he's fantastic. He's majestic. But this this is a divide. There's a gulf between what Lamar wants, what the organization wants. It's hurting the team. The teammates are upset. The organization's upset. The Baltimore Ravens either need to come to a contractual agreement with Lamar Jackson, and that feels far-fetched at this stage, or there's no other choice here. They need to trade. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. This segment never fails. I got this text from Jack Shine. My dad at 11.06 a.m. Thursday, 11.06 a.m. Eastern time during the radio show. As we were talking about how Woody Johnson is just not very smart. Woody, of course, the Jets owner. Yeah, this is good, Bob. Uh Bravo, comma, son. Bravo, son. And then writes in quotes, Woody Johnson, not a bright owner, quoting me back to me. Then he writes, more like Woody Johnson is a dumbass owner, to be exact. So that's Jack Shine's take on the state of affairs for the Jets moving forward. Woody Johnson, owner of the Jets, a dumbass owner, to be exact. Jets fans know all too well, Jack Shine text the truth. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Tory Holt, how great was that? About time Tory gets to the Hall of Fame. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round. So please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Shine on Sports weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82, and on the SXM app. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. Touchdown! For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Sirius XM Podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.